Well, hello and welcome to this bonus episode of United Ireland. Uh, today we are joined by Natalie B. Coleman. Uh, Natalie is an Irish designer hailing from Monaghan um, and she's just released her latest collection, Sister Mother Goddess. Hello to Natalie. <laughs> Hi, Andrea. How's it going? Natalie, you are and have been a fashion designer in Ireland for a long time now. Uh, what is it like being a fashion designer in Ireland? Um, well, there's, yeah. Um, God. <laughs> Does that sum it all up right there? God. Um, I mean, there's not a huge industry here. Um, there's no manufacturing, very little manufacturing, but there's a huge um, history of heritage and, you know, skills and crafts. Um, so, Oh God, I don't know how to answer that. I mean, I just kind of do my thing and I normally show at London or, you know, have a stand in Paris and kind of do send stuff off for publications that are more international. Um, but I do think like there's a brilliant creative, um, there's a lot of creativity here and there's good, you know, you can collaborate with people. You know, that side is really interesting. But, um, yeah, I don't know what it means. I don't know what anything means. <laughs> do you think we need to do more to safeguard it? Like, because, as you said, you do a lot of your work internationally by using international magazines, international, uh, like, shops and suppliers and showing even at London and Paris. There, There just doesn't seem to be very many platforms available in Ireland to showcase the creativity that we have and we don't really harness it very well it's almost like it's it's not taken seriously a lot of the time as an industry and I suppose I just kind of struggle maybe I'm enforcing that viewpoint I struggle because we've come from being such uh, big manufacturers and um, and working with like tweeds and irons and all the traditional fabrics but then moving towards a more creative thing but everyone just has to leave and I I, I suppose that feels problematic um no there's there's a lot of truth to that I think well I think fashion is just changing so hugely and I mean it's been done to death it's so saturated and <laughs> like I think the only new things that can come out are responses to what's happening you know like culturally and politically and like so it's having it's about people using a voice and I suppose the Irishness you know like there's brilliant people producing gorgeous things that's that's always been the case but um yeah, you do have to go. Well, we're a small place. I know. I don't know if it's kind of we should be working more with, um, like you know, using what we're good at. You know, not trying to compete. You know, just doing our own thing. So, and like working more in, in that kind of mentality. You know, hand knits, crochet with tweeds. You know, just using them in a more contemporary way, kind of like uh, how the Bauhaus movement was or something. I'd love to see that kind of thing happening here. I think we should start our own school. 
in Monaghan. You've just moved back to Monaghan, um, but you are also a lecturer in NCAD. Um, So you do already have a school, but what is it like lecturing as well as being a functioning designer? Um, (laughs) I want to keep my job. Um, Like, it's an amazing opportunity to have a job for starters and um yeah I think it's difficult to balance the two of them and you can give a lot of your kind of ideas you know it's it's difficult to separate and I don't really think you should separate things Mm. um you mean you have to bring your own knowledge in and things that you you know that you've figured out and worked on and it's good to share those um I mean, it's it's great to be in Dublin and to work with the youth of today. I just think that, especially during COVID, um, I'm not sure. I've got a lot of views on this, so I, I don't know what I should say or can say. But I, think, I just think that it's really important for people who are studying fashion to, you know, broaden what they're looking at and what they're reading and to you know spend a lot more time in the library and working on hand skills and figuring out what they want to say I suppose rather than you know everything has become a little bit flat I don't mean in NCD but I mean just I suppose with social media it's just kind of overtaken so I think going back to our roots going back to just you know the basics and learning from that so instead of interpreting somebody else's interpretation of something you know you need to go back through history and educate yourself as well does it feel like maybe that I suppose with the brandification and the marketing of fashion taking over and as it's become so commercial that there's a focus on building a brand rather than what the brand stands for and what the what the creation is essentially. Yeah, I think it takes a long time to figure out these things. You know, like education, I think it needs to be very elastic. And um, I think that when you go out first into the world, like it's a short education, it's three years, you know. So when I was studying, I did a lot of internships and I traveled, you know, every chance I got and worked in those countries doing internships. So, I mean, you really need to um, to figure out how or who you are as well, you know, if you're going to set up your own practice you know, what it is you want to say and you're building a brand. I don't know if I'm answering the question, but I think a a lot can become surface and not really about actual, you know, the materiality and like creating something that's very beautifully made or that is saying something. It can just be about flashiness on social media, I think. I don't know. The performance rather than the process. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, you have kind of, with your work, made moves to a more, I suppose, organic timeline, moving away from seasoned collections. What made you decide to move more in that direction? Um, I think, well, I'm kind of like an accidental fashion designer. Um, 
um, in some ways. Like, I mean, I studied it and everything else, but I didn't really, I had no business um, in business. <laughs> like, so I started at, when I went, I got invited to do a show. And from that, I got like um, several different stores. And then I got invited over to the Swedish Fashion Council loved my work and they used to bring me over to do shows in Copenhagen and they did PR and, and you know, I got more st stores and it became, you know, going off doing these trade shows and it was it, that the way that it went, what there wasn't a plan, it just kind of happened. So then I started getting into that system, you know, of doing London and Paris and then you start getting nearly dictated to about you know, who your store is and what that customer wears and you design, you start, you know, it becomes more stringent or something and, you know, the perimeters get tighter. So I think I just got sick of it. And um, some seasons were really busy and then others weren't. And, you know, it, it, it's just so emotional, <laughs> the whole thing. And I started going back to doing what I wanted to do. So, um, and I think that's when you lose that or you don't follow your gut, I think it shows as well. So there's a few seasons I didn't like at all. And I suppose going back to just doing what I want and doing one collection a year um, and then producing kind of more prints around that and casual line. And I'm still trying to figure out now what, how the whole landscape of fashion has changed, what my kind of positioning is going to be in it. But, um, yeah, I'm just doing what I want, basically. And a when you say a what you want, I suppose, a lot of your uh, your work has really feminist leanings, it would be fair to say, where, where there's a very clear message that comes through. So where does this influence in your work come from? And is it you, or, like, do you use your art to contribute to, the, to that conversation in particular? Um. Yeah, I think it has, like, there is a kind of distinctive approach to design that has a pointed feminist slant. It's definitely gone that way over, I think, just life. And, you know, like, I I think Repeal the Eighth was huge as well. I know that, like, that was a concentrated effort over 25 years. It just didn't happen in one year. But before that... Um, I had done a collection called Guaranteed to Bleed and it came from probably very personal kind of um, circumstances with, with, um, with trying to get pregnant. I had a very kind of tough time getting pregnant and then before Repeal the Eight or holding on to pregnancies. So when Repeal the Eight happened, before that I had a pregnancy that had gone Kind of quite advanced and it wasn't going to it wasn't viable and it was I had I you know I've had to deal with that in Ireland and I had to um, travel abroad uh, quite late in the pregnancy and go through a birth and you know it was traumatic it was really traumatic and that's when I started to really educate myself around access to sexual health and maternal health even in our very advanced western world you know so that's when I did the guaranteed to bleed collection and then 
um, the work around repeal the eighth really resonated with me, and I decided to study for a master's in Trinity in gender and women's studies. So that started informing the work a lot more. So, and you then went on to collaborate with the United Nations and their Population Fund on your sister's collection. Can you tell us how that came about and um, what that was about and how it worked? Yeah, um, well, the Guaranteed to Bleed collection was shown as part of We're an Irish initiative by Margaret Malloy that was in New York. Um, I had just had Odin, my second baby, and so I wasn't able to go to the event, but um, some people from the UN office in New York went to see it and they felt that the work um, really resonated with their mandate and what the messaging really around the guarantee to bleed. So they contacted me because they wanted um, to kind of forge new partnerships um, and cultivate new kind of, I suppose, non-traditional modes of communication that would attract more fundraising I suppose, and more awareness or, you know, a new sphere of stakeholders, something like that, more visibility in a different in a different medium. So we decided to do a collection um, called Sisters and it showed at London Fashion Week. Um, so um, it was the Sisters collection. It was kind of, there was like a mainline collection and it was all, about craftsmanship so it kind of incorporated traditional craft and techniques that were traditionally seen more kind of female-centric skills um, and then using those in innovative ways through silhouette and illustration and screen printing embroidery cart cross lace so it was all about espousing kind of equality and diversity and also kind of reinforcing the mandate of the UNFPA through the prints so the printing became quite symbolic and I suppose the whole idea around it was that like clothing and traditional crafting techniques do kind of unite women all around the world. So it's this kind of idea of a circle of women. And I thought a lot about how like women used to make the Cartman Cross lace, like a whole dress would get you your ticket to America, you know, and, you know, your ship ride over, your boat ride over. And just that independence, you know, so you could support fam your own family, you know, that you could have self-belief through equity. Um, so the collaboration kind of told a strong message around um, female empowerment and solidarity and reproductive rights and sisterhood. And then we had um, a kind of more accessible capsule line that had, um, I suppose, uh, there was a lot of prints that kind of tackled the issue of culture and how female sexuality is presented through design by subverting masculine imagery um, and using kind of historical references to move to move away or encourage it sounds really heavy but those kind of notions of inherited sexual shame and I worked on those with John Slade and who's um brilliant to work with and then like you know like we did beautiful hand knits and lace and you know it was really important to use other women that have really great skills you know embroidery like all of that to to 
make it all come about and then we showcased it at London Fashion Week and it got a brilliant response and got loads of international press around it and um, in that way it was quite successful. And you do tend to like incorporate traditional skills into your work like Karen across lace um, is this intentional as there could be the potential risk of these arts and skills dying out if they're not nurtured? Um, yeah, definitely. And as well, you know, Karma Cross Lace is an amalgam, amag- <laughs> if that's the right word. It's like a mix of lots of different techniques of lace from around the place. And I just, I like the idea of of things not belonging to anybody in particular, you know. So I know that a lot, like, they're so talented, the lace makers. And a lot of the time, you know, it was really kind of taken over by the church. And there's a lot of motifs that are very kind of um, religious, you know. So I wanted to change that. And it was really amazing that the Carmel Cross lace makers, you, you know, did, you know, the whole reproductive system in lace, you know, so and it kind of diversifies then the way that they see their skill making, you know, and encourages them to try different things as well. And yeah, I don't know. Does that answer in the question? I'm it does, yeah. Um your work as well also is about ensuring women are seen properly and that um really comes through in your latest collection, which is Sister Mother Goddess. Um can you share with us your inspiration for that collection? How, what the process was and how it ended up? Um, Sister Mother God, it kind of came about during this, you know, COVID because it didn't, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do and there was no kind of um, notion of going to fashion weeks or anything. And I just wanted to create beautiful dresses that celebrated women and I wanted the women who were going to wear these to be representative of, you know, life in Ireland. You know, the, there were women from all different ages and backgrounds and cultures and sizes. And, and the idea was about celebrating the goddess in every woman, So, but it, an everyday kind of way. So we or I, I would say we, um, got nine women, all amazing women, one of them was yourself, um, to, uh, and kind of got the idea of, um, I suppose, archetypes of women and linked them back to goddess traits and kind of created a dress around that. So it was all about, you know, just elevating women. And, you know, I do believe that, all of these things that are just taken for granted around and about women that need to be just shouted about a little bit more. So it's just a fun, beautiful thing to do. And I hope that women, you know, could see, you know, that you could see women in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s in the shoot, all feeling really empowered and, you know, vital and, you know, beautiful. And that, you know, you would also feel the same way by looking at them or listening to their stories what when you say the goddess archetypes what what were they but mostly around well each archetypes of women that are kind of around I suppose like 
ideas around hyper femininity and the opposites of that and then around sexuality and fertility and just thinking about the values that are placed on women in society today and how we're sometimes valued or thought about in terms of our value is measured in terms of our fertility and things like that so moving kind of taking those back to what these goddesses stood for you know um and trying to take symbols from each of those um is that answering it i don't know yeah, it is. I haven't had my usual like five hundred flasks of coffee. <laughs> and how did you go about ch- choosing your goddesses? Um, I wanted the goddesses to be from all different kind of um ages and all women who symbolized um just different kind of areas of life in Ireland, I suppose. So um, there was yourself (laughs) Um, and you're kind of linked to, you're linked to Aphrodite, you know, who's the, the alchemist and the lover and the creator and all about beauty and creativity. So like, how did you feel about that? Did you think it was a good fit? You can't flip the interview back on me, Natalie. It's your collection. Uh, yeah, no, obviously I adored it. And, like, it's the highest flattery to be asked to do it and to be seen like that and to then obviously have the stunning dress made, etc., and to be able to communicate all that and to contribute to the stories that are, are about femininity and um, what it means to be a woman and all that kind of jazz. So from my perspective, for sure. But then in terms of like you had people like Rachel Thomas, who was decked out in um, a dress that was had um, embroidery of Ned O'Connor. What was that about? She was kind of, the inspiration for that was Athena. So she was like the goddess of wisdom and crafts. And uh, there was like the homage to Sinead O'Connor on the front of it. So Gilda Burke worked on that with me. Um, very tricky to embroider somebody's face you know so um and it had a beautiful kind of halo beading around she's just she's a total goddess um i feel to irish women um to women everywhere so that was and that dress is like white silk it was like a wedding dress um and she wore that really beautifully. And then I had a mum and three daughters, um, Lorna Coleman, who's um, a doula, she has baby massage. Just, these are amazing, powerful women. And her daughters, Suzanne, Kate, and Rachel Gaffey. Um, Ra- Suzanne was actually my doula when I had Eden. And she just made it amazing. And that was her first birth as well. And she went on to study midwifery. So she's only just graduated so she was kind of influ- like her dress has um, a beautiful print on it that's created kind of celebrating childbirth. Um, and yeah, she was amazing. And her sister Kate um, was, you know, her dress was influenced by Artemis, the goddess of the hunting moon. So loads of beautiful imagery around that. And she runs these amazing period circles. Um, 
that are about you know it's not just one week of the month it's like the whole month long and um yeah so they're incredible rachel has um she's also uh has a yoga center for pregnant women and it's she's just really amazing and she really helped me when I was going to give birth because I really wanted a different experience to what I'd had before. Um, and those women were really central around that. And I know it's not just me. Um, they've had so many others. And I just really wanted to highlight that idea of taking control during birth and rather than something that's happening to you, you know? Mm. So, and yeah, there was, um, Tulu, who's um, Mackay, who's an amazing singer, and her dress was all around the Celtic goddess of the healing arts, um, Armid. She was like a member of the Tua de Danon, and she wore this amazing red silk taffeta dress that was 14 meters. She just looked like a total goddess, and her, I think she's a new album out. She's that she's amazing. Everybody in that was gorgeous and they were all women who are doing really interesting creative things um around nurturing women and helping voices for women so to be heard so that's kind of how I picked them I think yeah gorgeous um how did you cope then you the collection started through a pandemic how did you cope through the pandemic and obviously you were creating that collection but you created all beautiful masks as well and um, was it a hard time for you um at the beginning it was it was I think I was on a kind of um high in a way or something I should know just with the change and I was getting to spend more time with my kids um I had a lot more energy maybe it was nervous energy but um, the masks um, kept me really busy at the beginning. And I like wanted to, like if you're wearing something on your face, I just think you may as well make it fun or sexy or, you know, like, and I really wanted them to be beautiful things to wear, you know, to encourage people to wear them and more about a kind of collaborative community feel that you're trying to keep your community safe um, and to give money to women's aid um, at the same time. So that kept me busy and making the collection. We used a lot of um, patterns that I had before and kind of made them all to fit. So everything was made to fit each woman, which was a bit tricky during pandemic. You know, I was getting measurements just sent, you know, what's up and then having to work around that. But it did, all worked out amazing. And then... Like Jill de Burke, as I said, did the embroidery. She was amazing. And um, Marion Megan made a beautiful um, lace, Cartman Cross lace um, veil that's just stunning. That took her three weeks of work. So people worked remotely on it, you know, mm. and it all came together in the Mali Museum, which was fabulous. But we just didn't have any. Um, yeah, it was, we had to stagger people out during the, the day, as you know. So it wasn't. It was still, it was loads of fun. It was amazing, really. Good. It's just, it's the pivot, really, isn't it, of coming to terms with what you've lost from what you're doing, but also where you can still keep going, I find. Yeah, yeah. And you might as well do something that is about hope and beautifulness and 
you know, I know they're kind of party dresses, but like we will, we will get there. We will dance again as the mother club will tell us. Um, what would you say is next for you, Natalie? Um, well, I, I did have lots of different things planned that have kind of fallen apart a little bit. Like last year I went and taught, um, at the UNFPA summit in Nairobi, um, as a guest of Elbi, um, that I don't know if you've heard of, it's the supermodel Natalia Vodanova. She's got, um, uh, platform um that's called Elbi so it's a kind of digital charitable giving platform and she started talks all around kind of um periods and about kind of demystifying them and about empowering women and reframing perspectives around the subject um and she invited me over to speak um on a panel about tackling taboos and empowering women and we were supposed to do more work around that so it was all around kind of innovative partnerships and harnessing creative industries to tackle stigma and taboo around sexual women's in particular sexual reproductive health so that's kind of all been put on a back burner so I do hope to go back to that and I am hopefully doing something very interesting with an artist soon and that will be for next summer so yeah and then I've just moved house and I'm getting divorced (laughs) so busy that's a lot to contend with so uh we'll leave you at it uh thank you so much uh for joining us Natalie always a pleasure and all we wish you all the best thank you very much Andrea thank you